Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Tech Central. How you doing? This is Dusty Rhodes and welcome to Tech Radio, the number one Irish tech podcast with all the latest in tech from around Ireland and across the world. Brought to you by PRTG, Network Monitor from Paisler. Remember, as well as our show on air with RTE and online via the website or your favourite podcasting app, we keep you bang up to date on all things tech every day with hourly updates and daily newsletters, which you can grab for free at techcentral.ie. Now this week, Niall and myself have a little coffee in hand and we've chosen to talk about top five science fiction books that were not just good or that we enjoyed or that have become our favourites over years uh, but top five science fiction books science fiction books pardon me uh, that have affected us or left a lasting impression and what's interesting about this is that we did a bit of back and forth just to make sure you know is was there much overlap or whatever and there isn't and I think that actually says quite a bit about our personalities and how we approach things um, and and maybe we'll we'll leave the listeners up to to sort of gauge <laughs> what those <laughs> how, how strange we may be. What the <laughs> well, I think uh, I think it might be given that I definitely am strange anyway for a start. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I well, I suppose have you got one favourite out of the entire uh, list? Well, I have the one that I listed first. Okay. <laughs> yes, but is there one in particular that rules above all others? Um, well, let's. I don't know, because I've read some of these at different stages in my life, you know, and different books resonate with you at different stages. And it makes you wonder, is it because the book was so good or was it just that was a time in my life when I was particularly receptive to that mm. kind of idea? Mm. Um, so for my, my first pick, I'm going all the way back to when I was 16. Okay. And therefore, particularly uh, impressionable when, you know, any book of ideas would be like wow that's incredible you know the the world is a much bigger and stranger place than I thought than I thought so um for that reason alone I'm going with William Gibson's Neuromancer uh, as my as my top pick uh, have you read it no I haven't so give me the okay. uh, give me the storyline uh, it's effectively about a computer hacker called Case who starts off uh, in a particularly bad way he is stolen uh, from his uh, employer who decides to get their own back by putting um, some uh, poison on his organs that is slow uh, slowly dissolving ba- basically uh, killing him uh, and he is offered a way out by uh, an arms dealer who says do this job for me and uh, you know I'll, I'll sort you out uh, and he's like that's fantastic uh, only to have even even worse situation put into his blood supply so you, he goes from being beholden to one employer to another uh, and effectively it becomes sort of a heist novel uh, what's, William Gibson has said a couple of very interesting things about it over the years uh, one was um, it's actually a younger book than I thought it was it came out in 1984 which was two years after Blade Runner and apparently Gibson was petrified that people would read it and think it was um, uh, derivative um, because his vision of the future was the sort of almost nameless conurbation urban sprawl uh, you know very claustrophobic multicultural uh, and absolutely Blade Runner. Um, so that was that was what surprised me when I went back and, and had a look at it. And it's, it's actually one of the few books I've read twice. I mean, I read it again a couple of years ago just to see is is it you know what I thought it was. And um, yeah, it it has that sort of pulpy, hard boiled, 
thing about it only it has an awful lot of sci-fi trickery going on in there as well so in as much as you have you know the archetypical femme fatale you also have you know another woman who's fingers turn into razor blades this kind of thing you know so it it is an awful lot of characters that are augmented in one way or another uh, but it also borrows from some of the great noirs as well in particular DOA I I don't know if you've seen that but the um, uh, the premise behind it is that a man is injected with a poison and has 24 hours to solve his own murder (laughs) oh I love that storyline how did that how did that book affect you though I think it was just, it was again, it was a right time sort of book. Uh, I wasn't reading a lot of science fiction at the time. And is that, so it affected you in that this is what gave you your love for science fiction I in the first so, place? Yeah, I think so, because it, it was complex and it had characters that weren't particularly pleasant, which sort of flew in the face of a lot of the science fiction that, that I had gotten used to, mm. like Star Trek and Star Wars, which have very optimistic views of human nature. I mean, in Star Wars, people are slightly more cynical. But, um, you know, in Star Trek, everybody is straight down the line. Everybody is happy clappy. Uh, the Gene, Gene Roddenberry mm, snowflake view of the future. Uh, and this this wasn't it. So that, that kind of struck a chord with me. Well, I think one of the books that uh, definitely, or certainly one of the writers that got me into science fiction was Arthur C. Clarke. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just loved his writing and his thinking and I, I read a book of short stories that he did. I can't remember the name of the, the, the compilation at the moment now, but I thoroughly enjoyed that. Some stories more than others. Uh, and then one of the first novels that I read from Arthur C. Clarke was uh, Rendezvous with Rama. And that's all about this uh, massive cylindrical space object that started careering past Earth and they sent up a little shuttle to go and take a look at it and people landed on it and managed to break in and discover there was a whole world in there. Mm, mm. Uh, and it all kind of slowly revealed itself to them and little robots and there, there were all kinds of things. And that whole thing just kind of made me think about the possibilities of because when you think about spacecraft now you kind of think well it's a small little thing and they're all in there cramped and all this kind of stuff whereas this thing was huge and it had like a city and gravity and and lakes and all kinds of mad things in it and I just really like that I think that kind of opened up my whole I think that affected me in that you kind of think to yourself well hang on a minute maybe there are other dimensions or maybe you should start thinking in different ways Mm. Do you know what I mean? Instead of just thinking what's been presented to you or what you know to now, well, then what if? Mm, yeah. And I'm a great man for what if, as you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Rendezvous with Rama was kind of one of the first ones that really got me into. And the the other good thing, I suppose, about a lot of the books that I've read, it's it's one of the books that still to this day has not been made into a movie. Yeah. And I, I wonder why. I think because it's, as a book, a lot of the tension, if you will, comes from curiosity. Mm. There isn't an awful lot in terms of, you know, suspense. Everything is a very calm exploration of this very weird, very unknown thing. Mm. And then it's done with us. Yeah, well, maybe that's why it's not so, there's not so much action that Bruce Willis could... Uh, yeah, there's not a lot to work <laughs> throw, with. Throw his weight around on mm. that. So that's Rendezvous uh, with Rama. Highly recommended. What's next on your list? Next on my list is uh, an English writer that managed to write mm, two of possibly the greatest science fiction novels 
Oh my goodness! All right, you're bigging this one up. Uh, right may, maybe I'm maybe I'm exaggerating somewhat, but but for some writers, they do well enough just to get one book that mm. that strikes a chord. Um, John Wyndham managed it twice. Okay, uh, one of them was called The Midwich Cuckoos, mm-hmm. uh, which was made into a film called Village of the Damned. Ah, now I've heard of the movie. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's the one with the the scary small children in it. Uh, great and and so iconic and quite quite a simple book in a lot of ways and the other time he got it right uh, was a little book called Dave the Triffids oh right yeah <laughs> do you remember it I remember both of these are like TV series that I remember watching as a yeah. kid uh, and yeah the BBC did well uh, certainly did Dave the Triffids uh, a very good adaptation in oh. the 80s um, they, they did one a couple of years ago that I, I, thankfully I didn't see I, it's it's a very difficult book to get right because I saw an old uh, American version of it as well that, and it was appalling too because they tried to actually resolve the central situation and that's almost not what it's about the book is about what do people do when the world changes completely mm. and Alex Garland cites it as one of his favourite books uh, Alex Garland who wrote 28 Days Later and you see it, actually, because the, what happens at the start of Day of the Triffids is that there's a, a meteor shower. Mm. And anyone who has looked at the meteor shower has gone blind. So two things happen at the same time. One is you, you have these sentient plants, the Triffids, or I, it's never really revealed if they're sentient as such, but they, they, they just gravitate towards people and blind them and, and what have you. Um, they, they shoot acid. And uh, the other thing is this meteor shower. And it's never fully explained what what that is either. You know, did one cause the other? Uh, Was one, you know, did did we actually have this defense network of of satellites in space that ended up turning their lasers downwards? We we just don't know because that information isn't available to the characters. And the story really kicks off with our protagonist, uh, Bill Mason, who wakes up in a hospital bed. Who had his? He had his eyes closed because he'd been sprayed sprayed by a triffid before the action kicks off, and so he gets up uh, in his hospital bed, and there's nobody around, and he walks around the hospital, and there's nobody around, and then he starts walking around the city around him. I think he's I think he's in London, and there's nobody around, and we start. You're like this is the opening of now every zombie apocalypse show ever it's it's like the first thing you do you get up and you walk around the hospital and there's nobody there and you walk out in the city and there's no sign of anyone like I mean it's pure 28 days later um, and then of, co- of course it, it turns into this you've got a helpless human population except for a select few what do you do do you preserve yourself or do you hang around uh, and look after other people or if you have the opportunity to manipulate other people who depend on you do you do it and uh, if there's a greater good at work because there's a threat that unifies people, uh, what do you do? Do you, do you jettison the people that are reliant on you or do you just focus on the people that are you know, actually going to help you? Uh, and that becomes what the, what the book is about. Uh, and as a questioning of human nature, I think it's absolutely fantastic because, yeah, you've got these bad triffids running around the place and, you know, they are this persistent threat. But the bigger threat is always the humans. Well, it, it, it's always interesting to see what the human reaction is to a given situation. I suppose that probably is what leads me into my favourite book. This is my absolute number. This is a book that not only affected me, but I, this is a book that almost, I would say, changed my life. 
Oh, okay, right. All right. Well, it just it became my favorite movie, and then I read the book, and it became my favorite book, and then I read the movie again, and I've probably read the book again. <laughs> this is one, one that I've gone back to, and actually, it kind of it took it it for me. It took science fiction out of the realm of fiction and more into something more serious that mm. makes you think and affects you. And the name of that book and the name of that movie uh, is Contact. Mm. All right, uh, and it was uh, Jodie Foster and. Uh, Oh, I've forgotten all the name of the actors. I'm terrible with names. I can't even remember who wrote it. Carl Sagan. Carl Sagan, that's it. Pale Blue Dot he wrote as well, which is also very good. Um, but yes, um, Contact actually was not so much about aliens as about religion. Hmm. Okay. Which, which is which is the surprising part, I thought of it. And it was something that, because we always think like, you know, when we're kids, we think science fiction and, you know, a lot of it is, are we alone? Are there other um, uh, alien life forms out there? What if they come and visit us or what if we discover them? You know, all that kind of stuff, right? And Contact starts off with that, you know, kind of Ellie is listening to outer space to hear if anything is, is coming in. And then one day something does appear and it's a signal. And then in that signal, there's a plan to make a machine where they can go and visit another time difference planet whatever something like that all right that's all your favorites is standard um uh, science fiction stuff but then what becomes a huge part of the book is religion and god and was were these people sent by god or does this mean now that there is no god mm-hmm. <laughs> or where does god play in our, in our society and religion and i kind of went wow that's a whole different way of looking at it completely. Mm. And uh, and I just loved the book for that entire side of things. And then there was kind of a, an interesting an interesting end to the movie which kind of left you kind of thinking what happened? <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? Like, you know, and um, and then the, some of it, like, you know, I see in, in, in today's world, like, you know, there's a mega, there's just one really rich guy who owns a, a shed load of media outlets around the world. Okay. And he controls how the world thinks to a certain uh, extent. Uh, and then he's also a big thinker and he's the kind of person who would think, oh, I know, let's send a thousand spaceships to Mars. Mm. <laughs> I wonder if there's somebody like that in real life these days. Um <laughs> So I just I just thought that book was just it was just amazing all of the things that it made you actually think about as well as being a really good science fiction story mm. and and a, and a thriller within itself. Very good. Okay, so that's that's your number two pick. That's that's top of my list. Okay. Oh, okay. Top of my list. Top of your list, but your second pick. Yeah. Uh, okay. My. Uh, my third one. Um, I, I was looking through my through my books uh, before putting this list together, and I discovered that there were certain authors that I kept coming back to. That I was like, actually, these are my favourite writers. I suppose if you look at the volume of books of them that that I've read, and, yeah. and often choices that you know I didn't really know I was making. It was just, oh, that's an interesting idea. I'll read that. That's fine. And uh, one of those writers is J.G. Ballard. I've, I've read a good few of his books now at this stage and he shifts between sort of almost urban fantasy, urban horror to much sort of harder sci-fi slash ecological disaster mm. novels. And two of his in, um, disaster novels were The Wind From Nowhere, uh, which is referenced in uh, 28 Days Later in a very oblique way, and uh, The Drowned World, which is probably the more um, the more famous of the two. Uh, however, I'm going to mention one of his more sort of urban nightmare books uh, called High Rise mm-hmm. that was made into a film a couple of years ago with Tom Hiddleston. And 
this it's a book that actually has shades of um uh, David Cronenberg would go on to make a film called uh, Shivers I think um that had a very similar vibe for me and High Rise is a story about a giant modern apartment block and uh, there's uh, a man living in there has a very comfortable life he's a doctor he's a lecturer and he's surrounded by different types of people in the high rise and society it is sort of a a metaphor for society Mm. because you've got a lot of very polite people uh, good jobs everyone doing very well and slowly but surely society starts breaking down inside this apartment block but you get the sense that people actually aren't leaving you know that that they're so happy inside their apartment block they don't need the outside world right so you you get to the stage where this sort of bizarre tribalism starts setting in where people on one floor decide that people on another floor don't deserve access to the swimming pool mm. or another floor is doing parties and maybe some other floors don't have the right to go to those parties or maybe if you're living on a lower tier in the apartment block maybe it's just because you're not as good as everyone else and uh, it just becomes this complete implosion and you know very I mean the opening I won't tell you what happens in it but it's it's one of those paragraphs that grabs you straight away and you're like this is depraved this is you know it'll, it's revolting but it's captivating as well and um, it's sort of without being too spoilerish um, you know there's a guy at the top who's doing exceedingly well for himself but is also the cause of all the problems well cause of a lot of the problems all right. um, it's quite similar um, if did you see the film Snowpiercer no uh, quite similar an idea only it's it's about this giant train and they're sort of the people that are making the train go are at sort of at the back in the end cart and they're they're filling up the the uh, the engines with with coal and all that sort of thing and uh, the further you go up the more hedonistic it becomes uh, until there's a guy who's been in charge of train at the very top and he's completely isolated and you know doesn't know doesn't really care what's going on in the rest of the train so not a million miles away from high rise uh, a book that's stuck with me and uh, I think if you read it now you'll go oh yeah urban living does kind of drive people a bit nuts mm. uh, especially seeing as we're living in a city now and looking out our studio window I can see plenty of cranes so <laughs> it probably means we're going to get some nice high rises um, but yeah well worth well worth reading and you know anything from J.G. Ballard I think um, yeah dip in I think more on the uh, on the hardcore science fiction end of things one book that I did enjoy was uh, Altered Carbon yeah, actually a book that we probably agree on and mm. very close in tone to Neuromancer. But mm-hmm. anyway, go ahead. Well, I just I just enjoyed it uh, because I just thought it, it, it didn't have an effect or it didn't really influence me. The, the reason I'm saying it is because I enjoyed it. And then, of course, we have the series on Netflix as well. Yeah, which, which, you've, which you've seen and I'm which getting through. Seen. All right. Um, I thought it was, I mean, it's good science fiction in the fact that in the future uh, you use bodies as sleeves is what they call them. Mm. So essentially you've got your soul and your mind and your memories uh, can all be stored on essentially a USB key mm. uh, and then that information can be either transmitted <laughs> from one planet to another or mm. it can be just kept in storage and then 200 years later they can install you into another body. Mm. So that was the plan. And then after that then uh, we're into uh, a fairly standard murder things. Yeah, so it's, it's kill a me. hard-boiled uh, detective story. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. Um, but because it's on Netflix at the moment, what's it, what do you think of the Netflix uh, adaptation? I th- I think it's, oh God, it's a 400-page book. Yes. And there's a lot in there. 
but it's 10 hours. Mm. You know, it's 10 episodes and they do delve into some things a bit more. Mm. Um, but in terms of moving the plot forward, I mean, there, there's bits that we're sitting there going, OK, what's going on now? Let's let's tease this out, because, of course, there are times when one one character isn't the character they're actually mm. meant to be <laughs> because they're in another body. Uh, and there's moments like that where you realise how important it is for somebody to be easily identifiable. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, Joe, I hadn't even uh, thought about that side of it. Yeah. <laughs> Thinking of government ID cards and stuff like that. I thought the, the same. I thought the Netflix uh, adaptation was, it's just a little bit too long or mm. slightly drawn out a little bit. Uh, and watching it a couple of times, I went, Joe, this would make a really good movie. Yeah. Because I had all the, you know, I thought the production values were good. I thought the acting was fine. Um, uh, I thought the way the whole thing was coming across was 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 good. I was enjoying mm. it. But I kind of, maybe two hours is. You could probably do the book itself in three or four episodes. Mm. But they fleshed it out by showing you an awful lot more things that happen in that world. Yeah, yeah, that you and so A lot of the time, in fairness, it does work, but it doesn't advance the plot. Yeah. Uh, but I would recommend I would absolutely recommend reading the book over watching the uh, the Netflix series mm, yeah. I, I, I thought it was a good one um, oh sorry it's your turn it's my turn <laughs> Ta-da. Uh, okay uh, I'm going to hit you with something that's a little more hardcore sci- sci-fi okay. a little further into the future okay uh, Gateway by Frederick Pohl okay have you come across this I book I haven't no okay uh, very nice little premise this I came out this is one of the things we're learning about the two of us you're into the hardcore stuff and I'm I'm, I'm just into softcore stuff we're still talking about science fiction, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is, this is a book that was released uh, in the late 70s. And the idea of, of it is that there is this, being, this alien race called the, the Heechee. And um, they've they vanished. They've gone somewhere. And one of the things they left behind was this hollowed out asteroid, which is run by a company called the Gateway Corporation. And the station is called Gateway. And uh, one of the things that is unique to Gateway is that it's also surrounded by thousands of these little alien ships. And nobody knows how they work. Um, so you basically get into a ship. There's there's one person, three person and five person ships. And um, you get in and you ba- basically have the option of pressing go because nobody knows how these ships work. And you can end up anywhere, right? And sometimes you end up somewhere and there's nothing there and you have to wait to go home you just have to wait for the guidance system to kick in and people have been known to die of starvation because they they don't know how to get home um sometimes uh it sends you somewhere that's completely fatal and you're gone straight away um and sometimes it'll send you something it'll send you near uh a little sort of um uh a hichi if you will kind of treasure trove if you will so people are collecting these artifacts and bringing them back with them and making big big money so it's it's this sort of um it can make you fabulously wealthy these little expeditions uh or they can kill you or they can be completely unprofitable and a lot of the book is about sort of waiting around waiting for a ship to come free waiting for a mission to arrive that that you can get and um, quite a few people are are there they're in debt because they, they spent the, the last of their money just getting up to the station and they, they can't really afford to live, this kind of thing. Um, and there's this sort of sense of 
it's a, it's kind of like the used future that Dan O'Bannon was writing about in the in the seventies with like Alien and Silent Running and this sort of thing that the glamour has gone out of space travel that it's it's sort of quotidian and it's tedious and it's you, it's a little bit well like Reiner did for flying the <laughs> uh, yeah but you know in the same way that you, you've been to an airport a while they lose their luster. You know, you've you've been to a space station, you start to see the cracks, you start to see people getting annoyed with each other. Um, a lot of personal relationships get quite strained. And um, it's it's a very interesting book about people kind of, they have hope, but they're falling out with each other at the same time. And I won't go any further than that. I mean, it's it's not a particularly dark novel, but there is a lot that's true in there about how people get on and the sort of things people hope for. And there's a lot of things uh, about that with science fiction books in general, that it is more actually about human beings and mm. how they think and how they act in society than it is about uh, science fiction itself. Uh, I'm going to um, fly through my last two because we're running out of time. Okay. Uh, and I'm just going to say uh, back to Arthur C. Clarke, I really enjoyed uh, the movie 2001. It's one of my favourites. So mm-hmm. I read the book 2001, which I thought was great. I bought, read the book 2010, which I thought was even better. And then I was delighted to discover there were two other books in the series, <laughs> 3001 and 4001. I read both of those. Fantastic! If you're into science fiction, enjoy those movies, read everything, all right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other one which did change me and have an effect on me was uh, Big Brother, uh, the 1984. 1984, yeah. Absolutely no trust of authority whatsoever, do I? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to Mr. Orwell. <laughs> uh, very interesting, very interesting book. Um, yeah, and it's just, it goes back to society and control and information um, and I liked it and it scared the hell out of me <laughs> yeah yeah quite, quite a bleak book and actually actually similar in tone to my last one that, okay. I, that we'll jump into um, a little book called Camp Concentration that you might not have heard of uh, it was written by Thomas Dish and released in 1968 and um, the the premise behind it is that uh, America is at war this is, this is sort of uh, roughly around the time of the Vietnam War uh, America is still at war um, Robert McNamara is is president and um, there's talk of America being at war with everybody you know there's there's talk of germ warfare against neutral nations you know so, so you get the impression that America is just boiling for a fight with everyone and anyone forever and it's set in a prison and uh, this underground prison and you're seeing everything through the eyes of uh, this poet uh, who is a conscientious objector and uh, he is brought to this prison uh, and is surrounded by incredibly smart people and uh, it emerges that all of these people have been injected with um, a disease that's kind of syphilis that it gives you it basically turns you into a genius but it gives you a lifespan of nine months (laughs) So, you know, you're going to be awesome for nine months and then you're gone. Um, so it's his job as a poet to observe what he sees and to write down what's happening. Uh, but as the novel progresses, he too gets infected and the quality of his writing starts changing as, as he undergoes his own transformation. Uh, so it's a wonderful book. It's quite bleak. Um, the ending, probably not very politically correct by today's standards. Um, but a wonderful satire on, um, I guess, government mm. and the nature of war. And like like Big Brother, an awful lot to do with themes of control, um, only with this sort of 
artistry that goes through it on account of the, the central character being who he is. Well, I think if I was to learn something about your choice of science fiction books, uh, it would definitely be the, the, the word dark. That's probably fair. <laughs> Whereas mine will be hope. Yes, yeah, you, you that, are much more hopeful than and, me. And between the two of us, we've got a Star Wars trilogy on our hands. Uh, yeah. <laughs> The first one, <laughs> the good one. <laughs> well, listen, some great recommendations in there. What, what I enjoyed about that chat is you've mentioned a few that I would like to read. Uh, and I hope one or two of the ones that I mentioned are of interest to people as well as well. Listen, that's almost it for our show this week. The program is supported by TPRTG from Tesler, which monitors your IT infrastructure 24-7 and alerts you to the problems before your users even notice. Uh, to work smarter, faster and better, do check out their system at www www.pessler.com Of course remember you can get the lowdown on all things tech in Ireland with hourly updates daily newsletters and more at our website techcentral.ie or listen to us each week online or Fridays at 5pm on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra Until next time from myself Dusty and from Niall thanks so much for listening and have a great weekend Get Tech Radio Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie Tech Radio is produced by DigitalAudioProductions.com. Tech Central.